Hello and welcome to season five of the Ebb and Flow podcast with Solomon Ezra. In this new season, we're focusing on holistic wellness and Hasidic Jewish wisdom so we can each thrive in body, mind, and soul. If you're new to this show or if you haven't seen it yet, a good place to start is the recent YouTube video or podcast trailer entitled Ebb and Flow, Holistic Hasidic Health. In that video or audio, you will hear all about this new season, who it's for, my newsletter that comes out every Friday, and coaching services. Please leave a review about today's show and today's guest on Apple Podcasts and head over to SolomonEzra.com or follow me on Instagram, King underscore Solomon 8 or Facebook, Solomon Ezra Brezen to learn more. And make sure to do something actionable today with your learnings and be sure to let us know via message or social media. Now onto the show. My guest today is Menachem Silverstein. He's an Orthodox Jewish writer, comedian, and ordained rabbi. He's written for TBS Digital, IFC Digital, and has been on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and is currently a regular at the Hollywood Laugh Factory. You can check out more about Menachem on his social media pages, at Menachem Silverstein. If you're a weekly newsletter of mine, we have a giveaway going on, and you can enter to win by please leaving a review about the show and today's guest on Apple Podcasts, and make sure you're subscribed. Also, head over to SolomonEzra.com. Follow me on Instagram at King underscore Solomon 8 and Facebook at Solomon Ezra Berezin to learn more. Make sure to do something actionable with your learnings today and be sure to let us know about it via messenger or social media. Now on to the show with Malachem Silverstein. How are you? Good morning or I'm afternoon well. for you. Yeah, good, good morning to you. It's nice to connect and see uh, each other virtually. Definitely. And I guess you're two hours into the future. So tell me, how, how's the future? How do, does it get better? Yes. Well, here in Texas, especially, we have a lot of warm, very nice warm weather. But I, nice. I'm assuming it's like that way with you in uh, California. Well, it is amazing and beautiful during the day. But like in the morning, it could be 45 degrees. And my, you know, my thin California blood, I'm like shivering. 45 <laughs> degrees? I need to put on a down coat. Do you, you have any nice... Um, kind of morning routines and stuff that later gets you into your creative um, space? So it's kind of funny. I try to have routines and I'm actually currently back on my routine. And I feel like when I can get on my routine, I'm better. But, um, and I'll explain how I break them. So what I really like to do is wake up in the morning, go to the gym. I do like parkour like, you know, kind of like gymnastics type things because I get bored when it's just like lifting weights or running on a treadmill or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I like to daven, um, have some breakfast, meditate for five minutes and then kind of start my day. And when I can do that, I'm so productive and it's an amazing day. But usually what happens is, and this is, I guess, partially creative brain, I'm decently productive during the day. Then 11 p.m. hits and I'm the most pr prolific and productive person from 11 to 3.30 in the morning. Like that is the hours that I strive. But then if I'm up till 3.30 in the morning, either I'm like a wreck the next day, my kids wake me up at 7 a.m. Like it's just, you know, kind of, so I'm trying to teach myself and train myself to have those creative hours every day. Well, don't you, what times do you normally perform on stage? And then performing on stage, like, uh, sometimes occasionally I'll get like a 7 30 show but my wife doesn't love that 
because we usually put our kids to sleep then. So yeah. I'm kind of like, oh, you're going to put the kids to sleep uh, yourself. Deuces, let's do a show. <laughs> um, the shows that I prefer, my wife prefers, are the later ones. So like a lot of times the show will start at 9, 30, 10 o'clock and go yeah. till at least, you know, 12, 1230. Yeah, it seems like, especially if that's the time that you're, uh, you're, creative just brain lights up but uh yeah. anyway let's let's rewind a little bit um Perfect. i'd love to hear a little bit you know about your background and how you grew up and got into comedy um you know as as we, as we know and comedy is such a huge part of just transformation in general and uh, i'd love to hear a lot about it because i think also sometimes when it comes to um, thinking of pursuing a comedy career, especially in, in the Jewish community, uh, it's, it may not have been looked at as, in such a, a positive light uh, as far as like a lot of the comedy is sometimes can be vulgar or whatever the case may be. But uh, I love watching the different things that you've been doing and uh, I'm relatively new to it, just following on Instagram and, and listening to different interviews um, and God willing, one time in person being able to come to a show. But uh, with all that, I'd love to to hear a little bit more about yourself. Uh, sure. So first off, I think that you, um, you know, kind of touched on something that I've actually been looking into a lot lately, mm. which is the fact that, you know, comedy and mental health um, really do kind of coincide because I've been working on a class. I'm, I'm teaching this like mini comedy seminar for Yachad in L.A. And I was kind of looking into it. And part of the thing that I am going to be teaching and discussing is just kind of like smiling and being happy. And the fact that you connect to people through smiling, the fact that you can express yourself through smiling and just like, like um, it was funny, like I, I read this online and I tried it and it's kind of a crazy thing. Like if you're having a bad day, make yourself smile in the mirror as big as you can. Mm -hmm. And it looks crazy, but do it a couple of times and you feel better just mm -hmm. from smiling. Like you feel better. It's kind of like it says in Tanya, you know, the thing where it's like, oh my gosh, I don't, I, I don't love God. I can't connect to God. And it's like, fake it, pretend to, mm -hmm. just pretend to, just pretend to. And then it helps you. Like the second you can get your mind to like, oh, like understand the concept, you can do it. So I think that when it comes to like, you know, comedy itself, and one of the things I really like is, you know, just kind of like connecting and bringing joy to people. Um, so with that being said, welcome to my uh, comedian villain origin story. Um, no, but it's it's also just a very powerful thing you said because we we kind of grew up in a way thinking you know well not really knowing what to do with you know emotions or body language with when you're feeling down or whatever but really this is such a transformational shift because it's like yeah fake it just start smiling because the way that you're like change your body expression to be more outward you know to be in a position of as if you're you know, joyful and whatnot. And that will actually change the way you're thinking and looking at it and perceiving a different situation. So yeah. just thought I'd comment. A, yeah. No, please. And it's also, a, I think it's a beautiful thing because like smiling and laughter breaks down all barriers, you yeah. know, like language barriers. I can't speak your language, but if I'm smiling, you know, I'm happy. And if you're smiling and laughing, like we know what's going on. And it's just yeah. this kind of beautiful, deeper connection that, you know, you could have. It's like a deeper form of communication, being able to um, you know, express that. And especially, you know, like growing up in an Orthodox community, which will, you know, kind of get into the details of it. Um, you know, well, I'm saying it, it's not necessarily specifically to the Orthodox community. It's also like being a man. And also, you know, you're not really supposed to express your emotions or express your feelings or be as in tune and in touch with those things. 
Um, so I grew up uh, Chabad. I grew up Orthodox Jew um, from Brooklyn, where Jews are made right off the press. Um, and in my community, it was kind of an interesting thing and an interesting time where, you know, like we weren't supposed to have outside influence when it came to like music and movies and comedy and things like that. Um, we even like to get into school, you had to sign papers that you didn't have a TV and stuff at home, wow. which I actually just tweeted about, which was kind of like a funny experience to share with like the non-Jewish world and see how they reacted. Um, but yeah, so like there wasn't the outside influence and there was a very like specific type of music. Like you had the Alvin Freed and the Benny Freeman. They're just like a lot of horns and a lot of like, you know, kind of like a certain style of singing. And that was the only like version of like creative expression. Um, and even in art, there was like this one, you know, like artist guy who was like the biggest artist guy in Crown Heights. Um, and when it came to comedy, they're also like, wasn't that much like there was Jackie Mason and stuff but we I don't know like my parents didn't really like show me that much Jackie Mason and you know um like Elon Gold was on the come up and stuff but there wasn't really like prominent comedic figures as much um and then as I got older like Montesio hit the scene and it was like oh you don't just have to do one genre of music you can do other genres of music Mendy Pellin came on the scene as a comedian and he did his like comedic talk show and stuff and kind of showed at least to me and my small world, like there are other things. Um, so it was actually kind of funny. My parents, when I turned, so my parents are Balta Shiva. So my parents weren't raised religious and they became religious later in life. So like by the, when they were, by the time they got married, they were already religious. So I was raised religious, but they kind of came from a secular background. So at 18, on my 18th birthday, they took me to dinner and they kind of sat me down and they're like, what do you, um, like want to do for a living like what's your plan are you going to become a shliach are you going to become a rabbi are you going to become an accountant a lawyer whatever um and by the way let me know if we're going on too long i i no, can you're all good. i'm a schmozer um so basically they sat me down they're like what do you want to do and i was like i want to create stories i want to do storytelling i want to i want to you know write and and you know like make movies make tv shows like i'm not, like i'm not exactly sure yet maybe act in them uh, definitely involved in the creation of them. And they were like, that's like a terrible idea. How are you going to like make money? You're an Orthodox Jew. And I kind of like used like the Mendy Pellin Montesio thing to show like, here's how it can be done. And I had a full plan and a full structure in place. Beautiful. And my parents were kind of like, they were like not thrilled with it because they kind of wanted me to potentially like be like a lawyer or something more Jewish. Um, but at the same time, I had a very thorough plan. So they weren't like, they weren't like that stupid, but like they had to kind of listen. But at the same time, they were like, not thrilled with it. Um, I then actually got into music. And at first, um, I guess that's the Montesio thing. I first um, started rapping in a band. So you can imagine how white the rest of the band was if I was the, you know, rapper. Um, because again, it was kind of, I couldn't, I knew how to write music, but I couldn't play it well enough. And I knew how to sing, but I couldn't sing well enough. So I was like, how can I get myself involved in the music? So I would write the music and then I would rap because I could like follow the beat and I could rhyme. Um, and then that, while I was doing that, I was always kind of like in my house creating sketches and different, you know, things. I was like making people laugh and things. And then eventually that led into like, once my band started falling apart, I sat and was like, what do I really, really 
want to do and what am I good at? And that led into, you know, kind of the writing. Interesting. I, I find it also pretty interesting that um, you said, like your parents grew up, like that's how I'm grown up and more about the Shuva. Um, I would, I, I kind of would think, well, I, that's just more so stereotyping as an individual thing, but that would, that they would be perhaps more encouraging with, you know, following your own path, but I, I guess not. Well, so it's, it's kind like, of because they understand it, like in a sense, they didn't grow up a certain way and then, um, you know, had to go through their own journey that that experience, I would think maybe would help them empathize and be like, okay, our son, you know, doing this thing and ultimately will lead him. Well, I'll tell you what ended up, what happened to my parents, which was kind of funny. Um, first of all, I started hearing an echo. Wait, no, it's gone. That was weird. That might've been in my head. Um, oh no, I am going crazy. So what happened with my parents were technically they might've been a little bit more opened or they probably were a little bit more opened to, you know, things outside of the traditional, like what an Orthodox Jew does. You sell things on Amazon, you work in real estate, you sell medical supplies, cash advance now, like there's kind of these trendy, you know, like whatever it is. Um, but for my parents, they had seven kids. They didn't really have help or a base to fall on because none of their parents were religious. So they just saw how expensive it was to be an Orthodox Jew. And as much as they empathize and sympathize, like my mother, when she was younger, before she became religious, was an actress. So as much as she like empathized with, oh, creativity is amazing. I know you want to have this creative career. She was like, like if you are an Orthodox family and you want to have, you know, like five plus kids and you want yeah. to feed them kosher food and send them to the yeshiva and all of these things, you need to make crazy money. And as an artist, it's very hard to make money. So how, so what was that plan that you made and presented them and how's that going now? Um, the plan completely uh, shifted. And I think that that's kind of part of the beauty of life. And I think that the most important like lesson that I learned in life is, you know, kind of a mensch schafft and got lacht, which means, you know, a man thinks and God laughs where you have to be as planned as possible. Don't go in without a plan, but you have to be open enough to like move it around. So like my plan was kind of to, and, and to an extent I did follow it, but just in a different way where like Mendy had his like show, I was like, okay, I'm going to come up with my show. And then I'm going to come up with like, I'm going to utilize, you know, Crown Heights at Info and COL, which were the two like Chabad biggest websites to get my view counts up. And then I'm going to take those and I'm going to leverage the view counts to try to get, you know, sponsorships to make better episodes, to get more views. Like I kind of had this, you know, thorough plan. And to an extent I followed it because when I had my band, um, it was funny, like I had a bunch of comedian friends at the time and they would put out uh, clips on YouTube that wouldn't really get views. And all my videos would break 10,000 plus views, which I know now wasn't that much, but like back then was like, a, you know, a lot of views. Um, and how I would do it was I would use the Jewish channels. I get my videos on Schmace. I get my videos on Kremis. And if I get my videos on CWL and I'd kind of maintain that core Jewish audience to like build and leverage. And then like, even now, like with my, you know, Instagram and stuff, it's the same kind of, you know, like finding my niche of the type of video I make, making the videos, trying to get people to sponsor the videos or, you know, put their products in the videos and things like that. Well, I think, I think I could use that kind of help right. <laughs> with so getting brand marketing. Get it, uh, yeah, exactly. Getting, getting more um, seen. Well, it's, well, like uh, just also because with uh, it's, it's a, 
it's a smart approach actually when I've worked with different um, business coaches or or whatnot because uh, they have a health coaching practice you know you you want to you want to help everybody or you want to speak to everybody whether it's comedy or whatever and it seems uh, paradoxical but the more specific and whoever like you talk to so like the Jewish community or even more specific like the Hasidic community and then it surprisingly actually reaches more people yeah so it's, it was it, a very smart a uh, smart approach that that you that you had and, and started with but it also sounds like that plan is kind of a a vision per se that like you were saying you know the you're not necessarily going according to the plan but you had this vision in in sight of you know how you think how you want how you want to be recognized or the different ways you want to contribute, whether it's the writing, the different movies, the comedy, all of the above. Yeah, to me, it's kind of like, from when I was younger, the vision was clear. And then it was kind of like about how to potentially get there. So mm -hmm. I always, again, like, I loved entertaining people. I love making people laugh and giving people a good time. But to me, I think that one of the things was, that was very important to me was like showing people that an Orthodox Jew is a normal person. I think that that's a very important thing. You look at, you know, mainstream media and Orthodox Jews are like the punchline to a joke or they're considered these weird foreign creatures. It was kind of like they had a, this episode, I like NBC put out a, yeah, F NBC put out an episode of this show called Nurses and you have these like bizarre Orthodox Jews that won't take a bone graft because maybe it'll be from a Muslim person or whatever, they're like these weird kind of like creatures that live among us or they're the punchline of a joke, like, um, you know, in, uh, like snatch at the beginning where they dress like the Orthodox Jews to rob the bank, to ro rob the diamond district and whatever. Um, so to me, I was like, I want to create um, entertainment where it's, you know, like a buddy movie and the best friends an Orthodox Jew. Cause that happens sometimes. You know what I mean? Like a Seth Rogen movie where one of the characters is an Orthodox Jew. Cause why not? Like yeah. it happens, especially like, like again, as a comedian, I'm the only like Orthodox Jewish comedian that that's like hanging around. And it's like, sometimes after a show like we'll go and get drinks and it's like you know a black guy a hispanic guy um you know a muslim guy and and me and we're just hanging out awesome. and that's like the bar scene and we're just you know at the bar getting a drink or getting a coffee or whatever yeah. so like to me i was like i'd love to find a way to do that um so through like sketch i've been able to do that a little bit um and thanks to uh king batch uh for being like the first person to like do videos with me where he did that where like in the videos it was like I was just his buddy who happened to like have Titsis and Akipa. And I think that it was, you know, brave of him to just, you know, like do that. And it was awesome for him to let, you know, me do that with him. So hopefully like the plan is I'm like building up to be able to do that on a, you know, larger scale. Yeah. Well, how have you been able to relate to different, to not only relate to different uh, audiences, but also bring them in uh, and, and show them your world? So, Again, I think the relatability is there because um, as, as an Orthodox Jew in the 21st century, it's like me, I am, you know, like I'm a, I'm a script writer. So I watch television and I watch movies. So like I, I hang out with people who are Jewish and not Jewish. So I do have like, you know, the culture element to be able to, you know, fit in and hang out with other people. And then what I bring to the table is just, you know, like I I point out the differences between us in a comedic lens. So I joke about, you know, having a yarmulke. I joke about how people perceive me. I even have jokes about, you know, like 
different elements of the Torah. So what I try to do is I want to be like an Orthodox or like a Jewish comic for everyone. I don't want to be like a Jewish comic just for Jews. So my whole thing is like, kind of like I do with my Instagram sketches is like, you know, what's a yarmulke used for? Or, you know, like yeah, I yeah. joke, or if I joke about like specific Jewish things, it'll be like the really, really basic stuff. Like everyone knows that like Abraham got circumcised or we don't eat, you know, pig or, you know, pork or whatever. So just joking about like certain elements of ridiculousness. Like, you know, again, God and Abraham had a conversation. They're like, let's make a bond. And God's like, what are you going to give me? And Abraham's first go-to thing was like, a, the, you know, my foreskin, piece of my penis. He had cows, he had money, he had everything. That's the first thing he goes to. And we're like, that guy should lead the Jews. It's a funny, it's a funny thing. And I think that clearly I believe in it and we should be able to joke about it all together. I think that makes it relatable. And I think the most important thing, at least like, you know, as a Chabad person who wants to make Judaism um, tangible, to everyone and you know just like accessible to everyone i think part of that is making it relatable and showing that like you know being jewish is about asking questions so like you can ask questions you can poke fun certain things are a little ridiculous at times but you know what i mean we're all asking the questions together and we're all learning and figuring it out together yeah i i can definitely resonate with it because also just my own whole introduction into uh, learning like different Hasidus is, is that it it illuminates different parts of the Torah and like makes it relatable in a sense that you can see yourself within those characters. So the fact that you also bring a, a comedic light to it is is very inviting and in a in a um, in a light and in fun way. Hundred so percent. Yeah. It's like the most the hardest pill to swallow about Judaism is the fact that like. God told Abram to sacrifice his son. And he yeah. was like, I'll do it. Yeah, very quickly. And very quickly. That's what the, like, the sure. sage's comment, this is what the sage's comment is like his, his best qu uh, quality, you know, that alacrity. It's like, and he's like, like, I'll do it. It's like, exactly. <laughs> the first thing he's going to give to God is the tip of his penis. And the second thing is like, oh yeah, my son. Like those are the two, like my cows and my money. No, those things I'll give. But to me, it's kind of like one of those things you're talking about the characters being relatable. It's like, that was never a relatable story. Yeah. Until COVID, I'm stuck inside my house with my son for a year and a half. If God asked me to sacrifice him, like maybe I'd say yes. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, like I'm not saying yes, but maybe. If I was in that position, like I get it a little more now. Um, yeah. By the way, now that like I'm saying we opened the conversation, if you're willing to share, I'd love to hear a little also more about you. Like, so you, how were you raised? And then how did you find like your orthodoxy? Yeah, cool. Um, cool. Well, thank you for, for asking that. Um, considering usually I'm the one asking the questions here, but uh, it's the peak when I when we kind of started talking about your um, morning routine per se. You mentioned one thing that is probably the number one tool in my life, uh, which is meditation. And I so I grew up more conservative, um, but a little bit you know, more so than reform. So, but I, I would, I didn't know about like Orthodox really much or reform. I just, uh, you know, I, I would, I raised and, and, th and I'm thankful for this, you know, knowing that a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. I didn't know there were really different labels. So if somebody asks me and somebody do, some people do, you know, were you, did you 
keep Shabbat and keep kosher growing up? I said, yes, to the extent of which I knew what it was. Like, <laughs> like I kept Shabbat. I didn't know the, you, the things you didn't, like you don't uh, drive or whatever. Like it would, so we would go to the surfaces and whatnot. Um, but and um, some people who listen to the show or read the different stuff that I write as well uh, and know that my passion and, and practice in meditation is it was through kind of uh, college and I played uh, basketball, college basketball. And that's, through that, and that's through, amazing. Yeah. Hey, I actually in my uh, so my final I was in college for four four or five years. And in that fifth year, well, I got out of school. So I was still in Dallas where I went to school for the fifth year. And I actually did do stand-up comedy four times. Amazing. So that's, this is why this is kind of like a, a fun uh, conversation because, and I had my parents come to me and this is also why I wanted to talk to you because in my experience, I'd gone to open mic nights and <laughs> the scenes there are just, that's not for me. Like it's so kind of, crass and my funniest joke or like based on how many laughs i got was i'm hearing people talking about their their lives and how you know hopefully this is not talking bad about people but it was just like yeah i i, I smoked a joint all day and all this kind of stuff and i was like man all you guys lives are just depressing <laughs> like trying to bring come like joke to it because it was it felt like such a dark kind of environment but anyways, that was my experience. And I know you have to continue with it. But it, it was a, a way to which we find what I more so like getting on stage and talking about. Um, but we'll, we'll get into those fun um, experiences, fun times. Um, but but was, question. Yeah. you played basketball. How tall are you? I'm 5'11". Oh, nice. Yeah, man. But, but uh, we, we got to make up for the height. Yeah, you short, short, white Jewish boys were the shooters. Nice. Okay, shooters cool. Passers, Just yeah. three points. Mm -hmm. Awesome. But don't be intimidated by height. I have dunked before. Really? Yes. That's very impressive. <laughs> and I, I'm I coach... five nine. I can't dream of dunking. <laughs> even in my dreams, I fall short. It's like so close. That's funny. Even in my dreams, no. But it's uh, fun. We have. I coach also the basketball team at the. There's a Chabad school here in Houston, like seventh and eighth grade boys. So that's, oh, nice. uh, it's, it is really rewarding. It's a nice thing. Um, but <laughs> to, to kind of keep it, it's, it was more through um, when I had experienced different injuries in sports, I got, well, I got introduced a little bit before then to meditation. And, but it was through the injuries that I, I kind of really got more into it. And I used it at the beginning as more of a performance enhancer how to improve the performance of my mind. So when I'm stepping on the court, I'm unstoppable and all, all the different physiological and mental benefits of it as it progressed. And then I got out of um, uh, the school that I was in out of the graduate program. Um, and I, I had an additional year to play basketball, but I got out of that as well. It became more of a daily practice and using it to uh, improve my character traits and in, uh, envision uh, a future um, mystical things, learning just all about that. And I'd gone to different meditation retreats and it was through my own kind of experience with meditation and, and diving into myself, coming to learning about what's my, who am I at my core, my true sense, that that led me to open my perspectives about 
Judaism because and meditate meditation means to become familiar with and from the root meditar and you learn to get beyond external uh, labels so I identified as an athlete but at my core I'm not an athlete that's just a role that I play which on one hand also is a powerful shift because that trans transforms and transformed my performance because then when somebody approaches like the game as not their life, but, yo, this is just an expression of who I am. Like, you are not a comedian. You are uh, Menachem, a, a soul, expressing his, you know, creative beauty and everything through the expression of comedy and script writing and all that beautiful stuff, which brings this, which probably helps your um, performance as well, because you're not so um, rigid with doing it at least how I am seeing and how the content's coming out. So like through that shift also, you know, you come across different um, labels and if, and then so Judaism was one of those, but it never just sat well, it didn't click. Like that's just a religion. Like there's so much more to that. So that helped me kind of open in, in short or a little bit short, uh, keeping open the perspectives to want to learn more and dive into what is really all of this, about and that and now that in short led to like a huge journey of exploring more of the beautiful tradition and mystical teachings in Hasidus and uh, and practicing the Shabbat and and all of that and there's more you know details in that but it's a little bit about it so I'd also like to turn that back to you and hear like about your like the meditation you spoke about and but also feel free um I like how this is a conversation. So if you have any also questions about that, I'd love to, uh, to share. Sure. No, I'm saying that that sounds amazing. Uh, my only note to point out is that Jews don't do long story short. We do long story long and long story longer. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think the one, the one thing that my wife always complains about is like when I have like an exciting piece of information to tell her, I'll be like, okay, so I was walking down the street and then you'll never believe. And she's like, just tell me what happened. I'm like, no, 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 we need to get there. It's the journey. Yes. We need like, I can't just give you the thing. And she's like, who did you meet? I'm like, no. And then I got a coffee and then, then there was sugar and it fell. And she's like, it drives her nuts. But for me, like, again, <laughs> it's a Jewish thing. You need the journey. It's the buildup. I'm with you. It's the buildup. A hundred percent. Exactly. Like I was never the person that skipped to the end of the book and read the end of the book. I need to read the book. My wife is like checking the end of the book and then reads the book. Um, so I'm there not sure that, she's Jewish. Is, is we sent too. out for a 23 and me. We'll find out in a couple of days. <laughs> hey, there is that too, though. I once heard a, a great question um, because a lot of times when we choose a movie and, and thing or a book to read, we kind of already know the ending. So it's more, it's, it's instead, instead of asking, you know, is this a book I want to read? It's, is this a journey I want to take? Because yeah. like you're saying, like you, you might know the joke already. So it's more so the journey is what's important. For sure. I'll do that once in a while. If let's say there's like a show that I need to know or need to watch for a pitch. So I, I like created a show and I just like need to like know about this show to reference it. But I don't really enjoy the journey that I'm going on. Mm -hmm. I potentially will like read the uh, Wikipedia and then just watch the last episode. Don't tell anybody. Um, but yeah, so once in a while I'll do that, especially because there's just so much stuff that is out there and you need to watch and whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, back to the meditation. And it's so interesting to like, kind of hear, uh, your perspective on it. 
mine, I guess, feeds into it, but it's also kind of like a little bit different where, yeah, it was just for me, the meditation was about like, the first part is just kind of creating the structure, just like you kind of like pray every day, you have the moment of meditation. It's just kind of like taking a moment for yourself. Um, and to me, it was also kind of about like just setting the day. So um, like a lot of people are like, oh, you need to meditate to like, you know, push out bad spirits, push out bad energy. To me, I just like kind of like, I've, I've heard some people kind of do it, you know, as the like a cleansing moment. And to me, I kind of like that. And I, it's almost like a reset. So let's say, you know, yesterday I didn't sell a script or yesterday one of my jokes fell flat or yesterday I didn't get the show that I wanted or whatever it is. Instead of carrying the baggage of yesterday into today, it's the moment to just like take a minute, let it all out, recenter. Why are we here? Like get that, you know, kind of get in place, get in tune with who you are and then launch a new day. So to me, I kind of felt like, and for me, it's hard to meditate for a long time. So just kind of giving myself that like, you know, three to six minutes just to like recenter and just, you know, yeah, that really you, helped. You me. said you normally do it after davening and eating or do you do it beforehand? So I know it kind of make it logically, it makes sense to do it before davening. But for me, I kind of do it after. Interesting. Okay. It's kind of like, I guess maybe this is like a bad way to look at it for me. It's like kind of like the davening is the obligation it's like you wake up you're you know like you thank god for what you were given like first you know give it to god that's what you get in the morning and then after that be like okay what about me but even though i know what you're saying is like kind of if you take the minute to meditate you'll be like centered to then daven better which i should try that in theory like that makes sense maybe yeah because then then you're getting yourself out of the way <laughs> so then but, so then when you're with god you're like like you're not thinking about the the you know the uh, emotional poop I like to say no I guess like me, like meditates almost like a emotional kind of like cleanse well to me it's the grumpy Jew in me I need all of that baggage to yell at God and be like really we almost saw the script yesterday where <laughs> were you where were you and then once I kind of like emotional dump I can then be like okay yeah. let's get that well so that's that's one powerful way of meditation have you ever tried using it as more of um, f- like creative for helping your creative um, things, whether it's a script writing or, or um, preparing for a skit, because we also know the <laughs> through meditation, there's different people like uh, scientists that will hook up brain waves and they can measure what's going on in the brain. And that actually like imp- it um, expands the gray matter and connects makes different connections within the brain so it actually is is building so to speak the creative center of your brain so it's like the the the, the it's called the corpus callosum i'm pretty sure that the that connects the left and the brain and the right brain so they're communicating a lot more uh, efficiently so to be honest i'm kind of like newer to the meditation yeah. um so i haven't tried it as much for me it's kind of like up until now i've been using it kind of more as like just the reset and the structure yeah. but that does sound amazing i probably should i'd probably be well funny, maybe we'll have, we'll have to helpful. talk more about it exactly <laughs> yeah because it's it's um in a sense like you were saying with the um just kind of cleansing per se it's also can you know kind of rise your awareness in a sense to look at things in a different manner 
So then you can, you know, different insights may come or jokes or different connections because when you're when the process of meditation, instead of like dip, differentiating it from contemplation in which you may be, you know, like the sages or the Rebbeim talk about often in different Maimarim, contemplating like and looking from all angles at about a certain uh, concept. But there's also meditation to get beyond and transcend a different level of like different thinking or analyzing. And that slows down their brain waves. The brain waves, there's different uh, states you may be familiar with like uh, um, betas what you and I are probably in every day everybody probably in like a low to medium beta brainwave state whenever somebody's super active like analytical or stressed it's at a higher state and then there's below that there's alpha data gamma etc but beta I mean alpha is like a more of a dreamy um, creative brain state so when you if you can kind of get past a, a different thinking like the over active like analyzing you can get to that alpha brain state and then the brain because now it's not focused on one like different thing it's allowing it to come consolidate and all the different parts of the brain are communicating and therefore different connections might be made and so you can see like that, that's how I've had different kind of creative um, or, um, what's led to different creative writing and, and things of that sort. So it's, no, that it's sounds amazing. Try. I, first of all, I, I totally Here's an invitation for you. <laughs> exactly. I'll finally, you're going to, you're going to make me better. Um, you know, the, my poor competition that thought they had a chance. Now I'm going to start meditating and it's done. Done. So, um, no, but it, it's kind of interesting that you say that. Cause for me, let's say like if I want to put out an Instagram sketch and I can't think of anything, or I have a, a, the premise of a joke, because like a lot of people don't necessarily realize how the structure of jokes work. Um, you know, like something funny will happen between me and my friend. They'll be like, oh, are you going to say that on stage? And it's like, no, this was a moment. This isn't a joke. I can't relive the moment unless certain elements happen. Yeah. Um, so sometimes what happens is you come up with a premise. So let's say like there was a premise that I was working on and the premise was, anti-Semitism is the best thing that happened to the Jews because we got so many fun things because of anti-Semitism. We got Hanukkah. Bagels were created because there was a, this Russian Lord guy that was trying to kill us. And we, or I think it was Russian. And we made um, food, uh, bread that looked like stirrups because he was obsessed with horseback riding and gave it to him. And he ate it and was happy and didn't murder all the Jews. So like people don't realize how many amazing things came out of anti-Semitism. Yeah. So that's the premise of the joke. But the question is like, how am I going to present this to an audience? How am I going to present this to a, you know, diverse audience, not just Jews, like yeah. to everyone. Um, so for me, like what I actually like to do is, is kind of turn my brain off. But how I do that is like, I'll go and wash dishes or cook. So I'll just sit there and I'll be like scrubbing dishes and kind of get into like, again, it's not a traditional meditation, but it's like a place where I can, because a lot of times if I like overthink it, mm -hmm. it won't come out good. Mm -hmm. And then just me kind of like, you know, sponge and just, washing dishes or just your wife likes and cutting and cooking yeah it was actually funny when i was younger whenever i got really stressed i mm -hmm. would like wash all the dishes and clean so like my mother would come into the kitchen and everything would be spotless and she knew that like i i was like stressed out uh, now i have a dishwasher so it kind of takes away a little bit of the time of the meditation but it's also way easier um but yeah occasionally oh, cool. it's just like nice to like you know do that so it's it's, it's funny how sometimes your brain and your body 
finds its own versions of those things. Like you're saying how healthy and amazing meditation is. And it's like, oh, that's kind of interesting because like naturally, you know, like people will find those things, like whether it's through like napping or relaxing or reading or, you know, gardening or going on hikes or washing dishes, like the brain does like say, we need to take a minute now. We need to just like unplug, turn on. That's what's beautiful about Shabbat as well, you know? I bet do you if it really is. are you anything like myself where you re- receive a lot of your better um, ideas and insights on Shabbat? Um, a lot of the time, it was funny when I was writing music, I would always think of like an amazing um, song on Shabbos, and I'd be like, "We have two options right now. Option one is I hum this for the next twenty-four <laughs> hours. Option two is I forget it and never remember." And it was actually funny. So the first year I was married, I wanted to give my wife something special for her birthday and I was like how amazing would it be if I write a song for her that would just be so nice um so I was just like kept that in the back of my head and it was like Shabbos right before Mincha time I just thought of the perfect tune and I was like oh my gosh I need to remember this for the next you know three hours and I literally in like I was just humming it in my head for three hours. The second job was over, I grabbed my recorder and I like recorded it. And then like me and my friends in an hour just threw it down in the studio and made it, which was fun. Nice. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, I've, I've asked a similar question when I've spoken to like uh, magicians or entrepreneurs often talk about this and how they look, how they look at the world in that, you know, somebody like, let's say an entrepreneur is constantly looking around like, for things that they can fix because they want to better things. Is there a way, like, how do you kind of look through the world during your day, like constantly asking yourself, maybe like, can I make a joke out of this? You know, is there something here? Is, is there anything like that? Um, I'm just like, what are the, le- what are the lens of a comedian? Too. What are the lens of a comedian throughout the day? <laughs> to be honest, uh, comedians are usually like kind of cynical. Like it's like, oh, like I kind of like will walk into a scenario and be like, what could go wrong? What would be funny? How could this, how could this blow up in everyone's face? So, a you, bit? so you do do that. <laughs> so I do a little, I have that little bit of like the cynical, like, you know, how would that, yeah. you know? Um, but no, I, I, I try not to. I think that the, for me, a lot of the comedy comes like a little naturally just from like experiences and what I feel like, and this is very real, when I push for it, it doesn't really come but when I let it happen it does like I was doing like a set meditation yeah it was (laughs) like I I was doing a set and it's like usually my sweet spot for comedy is like in LA I usually do between 10 and 20 minutes um unless I'm doing like my own show it's like the spots that I get are between 10 and 20 minutes so like I you know on the spot like you asked me right now we can do 20 minutes of comedy we're good you asked me to do 30 or 40 and all of a sudden it's like huh, how do I want to structure that? Because like, you know, the 10, the 10 or the 20, I know the jokes I want to go to. I can play around with it. I can involve the audience a little bit. The second I'm doing like 30 or 40, so like a little bit of a bigger commitment. So um, somebody hired me to do 30 minutes of comedy. And I was like, okay, that's amazing. And I'm like, what am I going to do for the last 10 minutes? I want to write 10 new minutes. And I had like, it was a month in advance. I'm like, I have so much time. So I kind of like sat and like actively tried to write it. And I like couldn't come up with anything. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Like, and it was just none of it was working. And then it was finally like the day before I was supposed to do it. I did it on a Friday night for Shaman's Shabbos meal. And they like brought me and my family down. 
Um, and then like on Thursday, I sat and came up with this joke about how um, anti-Semitism is the best thing that happened mm -hmm. to Jews. And also like the origin of like the profession, a couple of things. And they were like kind of silly, like jokes. Some of those jokes I can only really use for Jewish crowds, but it was funny how like, I couldn't come up with it. And then like totally. by letting go and being like, whatever, I'll just rely on my old jokes. I then was able to kind of like do what I needed to do. Power, it's a powerful lesson for, for everything in life. Wow. Um, given that, you know, we mentioned a little bit at the beginning, the power of, of jokes. And, uh, you know, I think even the, in, in the Tanya, the Alter Rebbe writes about how, um, they would like rabbi and other sages would, would, would share jokes before, um, giving, you know, powerful lessons or, or discourses. Do you have any, like, um, I'm curious, do you have any favorite kind of Hasidic stories or, or jokes that, that, that you love that just come to mind? Well, I'll tell you what's very funny. In the Gemara, they always talk about how they said jokes before they started. You know, but they don't share the jokes. Jokes. They don't tell the jokes. They <laughs> never share the jokes. They're like, that joke was really good. Now, if your cow gores his cow, and you're like, cows goring cows, give me the joke. Yeah, um, that's a great so point. A great point. The, the Gemara is like, we, there's, and, and by the way, for those who don't know, the Talmud is really long. It's a lot of books. Each book is really, really long. They have room for the joke. It wasn't like, oh no, there's a 300 page quota. We have to like cut certain things out and they cut the jokes out. There was plenty of room. They could have left it in. Um, I wonder what funny the jokes do. were. What were the jokes, right? Yeah, I want to be in that scene just like about them about all a laughing. chicken yeah. crossing the road? I don't know. Or maybe, um, maybe, maybe this is deep, but maybe the joke is the lesson that they gave. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. They were that good. Well, I'm saying we're, we'll get to the, I, I know we're derailing, but it's good. Um, I think that that in itself is a, is a very important thing. And I think part of the reason that they um, opened with a joke is because opening with a joke makes you comfortable when you're laughing you're open, like you were saying, and then you can kind of receive things. Like you see a lot of comedians, um, they like consider a lot of comedians philosophers because what a comedian does is he'll make you laugh and then or he or she will make you laugh. And then once you're like laughing, will then bring kind of like real thoughts to life. Like I was just watching Aziz Ansari put out a new special and he had this kind of, you know, interesting joke that was like about COVID. He's like, you know, there are tons of people in this world that are struggling, but we don't care because uh, we could help them, but we don't care. How do we know? Because during COVID, everyone was, the government was like, stay at home, we'll give you money. But there are homeless people on the street who don't have money. If the government could have you just sit at home and give you money, they can give everyone else money. Like there's tons of money to be able to give to people. They just don't want to. Um, and it was kind of like just an interesting perspective. You're like, oh my gosh, maybe they could, but it's just like these thoughtful things, but how they get you there is through the laughing. So, mm -hmm. you know, like, it's nice to like, make someone laugh, make someone comfortable. And that's also kind of the universal, the universal element of laughing, which is everyone knows what a laugh, what laughter is. And it's like, everyone knows what a joke is. Everyone knows the experience. So like once I can, I share my joke with you and you laugh, we all of a sudden have this shared experience and then you're open and willing to talk. Um, the best, I don't have like a Hasidic, Hasidic joke off on the top of my head, but I do have, um, a, a Jewish joke, which I find very funny, and some people might find slightly offensive. But to me, I just heard it last week, and I was like, this is brilliant. So 
Chabad is notorious for sending emissaries to all different random places around the world, around the country, um, and you know, helping Jews and put on spell and the different things. So there was once a Chabad rabbi who passed away and in heavenly court, they said, I'm sorry, we're sending you to hell. And he's like, but what, what? And he gets sent to hell. And at first he's sad and he's like, you know what? I'm here for a reason. I'm going to be the shliach of hell. And he goes and he opens up a table and he starts putting on tefillin on everyone and giving out Shabbos candles. And he starts being an emissary and spreading his Judaism. And a couple of years later, there is another shliach who dies and gets sent to hell. And the shliach comes down and he sees this shliach, this rabbi putting on tefillin on everyone. He gets inspired and he's like, you know what, that's amazing. So he goes and he starts walking and he walks for one, two, three, four days. Finally, after walking for four days, he sets up his own table and he starts putting on tefillin and he starts giving out Shabbos candles and you know, being a rabbi, being an emissary, spreading the light. Um, and after doing that for a couple of days, the original rabbi comes over and says, sir, what are you doing here? And he's like, what do you mean? I like, that's your spot. This is mine. And he's like, no, I'm saving it for my son. <laughs> but, just, uh, just the, um, just the, the, when you said sh- the guy, I'm going to be the shliach of hell. <laughs> just that, just, <laughs> I know. I was like, this, to me, that was very funny. Um, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's rabbis good. have the territory yeah, yeah. for their son. Ridiculous. Uh, silly Jewish joke, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so I think that, you know, the power, the power of humor is amazing. And I think that again, like, you know, if you, if you talk to somebody about a real topic, sometimes it makes them uncomfortable and it makes yeah. them, you know, especially like, you're, let's say you're talking about something like world poverty or whatever, like it makes people uncomfortable. They don't want to hear about it. But the second you kind of like make them laugh and just pose it as a joke, uh, people, you know, laugh at it and they are willing to listen. And once they're laughing and listening, they actually potentially, yeah. you know, soak it up and take it's it in. It's powerful. Yeah. It, it also reminds me now, I think we can kind of conclude here. It's, it's been amazing. But I I read a, a book called The Power of Choice by Rav Dover Pinson. You're familiar with it? I've heard of it. I have not read it. He mentions a story. He has a section in there on laughter. And he shares a story of this great sage. And I, I, it's not a, necessarily like a funny story, but it's it, it proves a powerful, it illustrates a powerful connection here between laughter and um, and God. And there's this great sage walking down a, a um just walking over a bridge and he sees like over a bridge over water and he sees somebody drowning and instead like normally you might think he goes somebody would go in and save the person drowning this the, the sage i don't remember if he wrote down the name of him or not <laughs> because often that's pretty important but he just screams he screams to this guy who's like he's drowning he's like, help help and he screams to him say hello to the leviathan when you drown like, you know, the mystical big creature in the water. And the guy like starts laughing, the one who's drowning. And within this laughter that he receives, he like finds some kind of um, wood around him, grabs it and ends up getting to safety. And the sage gets to, goes to him a little after he, he saves himself. And he says, <laughs> whenever you're in fear or in some kind of worry like that, you're not, you're, you can't, you can't see your surroundings and how to save yourself. So it's through the laughter that you can, like you were just pointing out as well, not just with entertaining or, or diving into an important subject, but also for our own surroundings, how to bring brevity and look at 
the things that are around us. And then he, uh, Rav Dover pins and commented that actually the numerical value in, in, in um, some, not all my audience may be uh, aware of this, but there's, we have gematria, which is the numerical value of different words because each letter Hebrew has a, has a numerical value. And when you can add it up, it helps you see um, connections and insight into other meanings of certain words. And so the numerical value for the word of laughter, I think it's about uh, 416 or so, actually is the same numerical value as Orain Sof, which is the infinite wow. light of God. So I found that like a very powerful uh, connection there. So it's through the, through the laughter that we can connect with, uh, with the infinite light of God. Could you tell this to my parents so they're less upset that I became a comedian <laughs> and not a lawyer? I'll, we, send, uh, you, I'll send, send you a link. I'll send you the link and then you'll send it to them. Amazing. But uh, Menachem, it's, it's, it's been a real pleasure. I, I'm, I, usually I remember how I come across somebody's videos or, or Instagram and then I start following and looking into them. And, but I, I don't necessarily, perhaps that's a joke itself. I don't remember exactly how I came came across your of your stuff, but uh, I like glad you did. I enjoy watching around. it, and yeah, it's it's a pleasure to connect with you. And thank you for this awesome conversation. And and since you mentioned script writing, I've had in mind a a, a book and different things to write. So perhaps we'll be in 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 uh, contact at some point. In the Please, season. thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Yeah. Take care. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you so much. You too. Bye. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out SolomonEzra.com. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.